1: Good evening, Riffers! This is Rest and Rolls the 5e and d and podcast where we go to many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunt your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riffway.
2: And I'm Remy, a player on Riffwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about healers! So, healers are a massively important aspect of playing Dungeons & Dragons because they are the individuals who help keep your party alive. So, with that in mind, Nathan, how many classes, and without magic items or any kind of shenanigans, how many classes are able to heal?
1: Lots of them. So, out there's of the 13. There's the cleric. There's the druid. That's the bard. That's the paladin. There's the... Man with a potion in hand. I said no magic <laughs> items. The man with the healing in hand. No, that's the problem. I um. <laughs> hands. Yeah. Um, the, the Celestial Warlock? Yeah. Kill? Good. And uh, let's see. I can't think of anything else.
2: All right. Well, you did indeed miss a few. So, in fact, I believe it's nine of the 13 are able to heal. The Artificer is able to heal as well. The Bard is able to heal, the Cleric is able to heal, the Druid is able to heal, and there is now a Monk subclass, the Way of Mercy, that is able to heal. The Paladin is able to heal, the Ranger is able to heal, the Sorcerer, the, uh, oh shit, now I'm blanking out on the name. I want to say Celestial, but that's, Divine Soul, that's the Sorcerer. Divine Soul Sorcerer is able to heal, and as you said, the Celestial Warlock is able to heal. Wizards are shit out of luck. So yeah, so it is only barbarians, fighters, rogues, and wizards who cannot heal. By class and subclass, that is. Obviously, magic items change that. And feats, yada, yada, yada. So, with that being said, I am curious, Nathan. What do you think is the best class of healer?
1: Cleric. They're known for it. It's their brand. They are
2: known for it. It is their brand. And that is, in fact, the correct answer. It's like the life one, right? I'm actually surprised. You actually got something right. Well done, Nathan. Yay! (laughs) Yeah, the life domain cleric is generally agreed to be the best healer. Out of curiosity, though, do you know why the life cleric in particular? Because he's the man who can heal anything. (laughs) I mean, technically, (laughs) most healers can heal anything, hopefully. Even death. Well again lots of please lot- lots can do that uh, better. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right, so there's honestly a couple things. First things first of course is just the fact that a lot of the cleric spells just are really good at healing. Just the fact that they can like get the ninth level, you know, cure spell or er, healing spells uh all the re- resurrection spells. Yeah, there's good reason just by spell selection alone. However, even at first level A Life Cleric has a class feature that is a massive boon to a party, even at that first level. Disciple of Life. Whenever you use a spell of first level or higher to restore hit points to a creature, the creature regains additional hit points, equal to 2 plus the spell's level. So even if a Cleric—and I'm going to use the usual 16 stat average for my math for all these— So, okay, so 16 Wisdom for a Cleric, that would mean that a Cure Wounds would be 1d8 plus 3 normally. But a first-level Cure Wounds classed by a Life Cleric would get that bonus of 2 plus the spell level. So first-level Cure Wounds plus 3. So then that becomes 1d8 plus 6 for a first-level heal. So that is a significant boon, and that is never not a useful ability. Uh, Also, uh, one of the multi class cheeses that is the favorite of a lot of people, uh, myself included, is, of course, if you get this cleric either through multi class or just any other form of shenanigans to get our favorite spell, Goodberry. Because what happens to a Goodberry cast by a life cleric? It heals more. How much? Whoa. Lots. Uh, um, Do the math. 10 hit points. <laughs>
1: hmm? 10 hit points. No. Yeah. <sighs> I, don't <know>. All
2: right. <laughs> I don't know. So the Disciple of Life feature adds two plus spell level. So again, first level spell good berry, which would mean three additional hit points. So each berry would heal four hit points. And again, one casting of Goodberry makes 10 of them. So that makes one casting of Goodberry creates berries to heal 40, 4-0 hit points of damage. I think that it's very easy to see why this is considered absolute bullshit by most people. But at the same time, the kind of bullshit that I personally am very much okay with. Anyway, even aside from that, though, the life cleric has a lot more features that do just really make them the peak healer so first off clerics have their channel divinity and the life clerics is preserve life so they can use their action to evoke healing energy and just restore a number of hit points equal to five times their cleric level and it can just get divided up amongst creatures within 30 feet but does have the limit that it can't bring people above half of their hit point maximal. However, something very important to consider about this feature, yes, it does have that limit that it can't restore past half, but because it is channel divinity, that means that even at low level, it's recharged by once per short rest. At sixth level, twice per short rest. And something else, this is a class feature, not a spell. So it cannot be counterspelled. It cannot have Dispelled Magic because it is an instantaneous effect. So yeah. So even at that very low level, that feature can really be a significant boon because some DMs do play with smart villains who will try to counterspell healing. And because this is a class feature and not a spell, cannot be counterspelled. And honestly, they've got even more so just skipping ahead to the end at 17th level supreme healing when you would normally roll dice to restore hit points with a spell you instead use the highest number possible for each die for example instead of restoring 2d6 hit points to a creature you restore 12. so you don't roll healing anymore so if you're casting something like a mass cure wounds so mass cure wounds heals up to six creatures around you for 3d8 plus. However, again, all of these features stack. So normally it would be 3d8 plus 3, but because it is a 5th level spell and you've got that disciple of life feature, so that becomes plus 7 more. So it'd be 3d8 plus 10. But again, if you're level 17 in the class and get that last feature as well, then instead of rolling the 3d8, it's just 24. Plus 10 for just 34 hit points of healing to the up to six creatures around you. You don't need to roll, it just happens for maximum healing to all of those creatures. 34 hit points to six creatures with one casting of a spell. So, yeah, Life Clerics are, (laughs) Life Domain is the top of the pack for damn good reason because they have some truly Just amazing healing abilities. And honestly, even besides the life domain specifically, all clerics, like I said a moment ago, are good healers. And again, for a good reason. Because they just have so many spells that just are some of the best healing spells in the game. So I don't want to talk just about clerics because we've already done that in the past. So I I honestly, I want to focus some more on some of the lesser known other good healers. So I'm actually gonna to skip to the monk, because the monk way of mercy is a newer subclass, and therefore a lot of people just don't know that it exists, let alone what it does. So Nathan, what can you tell me about the monk way of mercy? Uh the
1: way they heal is by uh hitting you in the back of the head until <laughs> you stop moving. Only then, when you're truly broken, can the healing begin. N- no.
2: N- no Nathan. No. So I, I let me rephrase a question that I think you do know the answer to. What is a monk's resource as a class? Oh, T. And how is it different than a lot of other class resources? No, no idea. <sighs> okay, so the way that a uh, monk's key is different than a lot of other classes is the fact that a monk has an amount of key points equal to their monk level. So sixth level monk, six key points. And as soon as the monk gets key at second level, it follows that formula. So it's really easy to keep track of how many you have. But what makes it different as a resource is the fact that it recharges with a short or long rest. So once you get to mid to high levels, especially, that becomes a very quickly refreshing resource for a monk character. So let's pretty say cool. that you only have like a sixth level monk. Okay, that's a pretty, you know, average leveled character, but that would mean they'd have six key points every short rest to use towards their attacks and towards their healing. So, on that note, uh, let me actually talk about what their healing does. So, they get it when they pick the subclass at third level immediately Hand of Healing. As an action, you can spend one key point to touch a creature and restore a number of hit points equal to a roll of your martial arts die plus your wisdom modifier. When you use your Flurry of Blows, you can replace one of the unarmed strikes with a use of this feature without spending a key point for the healing. And it's that second point that really makes this a valuable subclass because Flurry flurry of Blows for a monk means that when you take the attack action, you can spend a key point to do two unarmed strikes as a bonus action. And this feature lets you replace one of those with healing. So this means that on a Mercy Monk's turn, they can attack, attack as a bonus action, and get one use of their healing as well. For one key point, a third level monk can do two attacks and a heal. That is, offense and defense just, it is so good. And it really just keeps going just as they level up. So, I mean, they also have just more offensive options, but I'm talking about the healing focus for today because that's our topic. Uh, Then at sixth level, they get Physician's Touch. You can administer even greater cures with a touch. And if you feel it's necessary, you can use your knowledge to cause harm. So, when you use Hand of Healing on a creature, you can also end one disease or one of the following conditions affecting them: blinded, deafened, paralyzed, poisoned, or stunned. When you use Hand of Harm on a creature, you could subject them to the poison condition. So, you can heal poison and cause poison, or you can also just cure someone of blinded, deafened, paralyzed, poisoned, stunned. And again, that doesn't require additional key expenditure. So every single turn for six turns with a sixth level monk, you can attack as a bone, attack as your action, then as your bonus action use flurry of blows and do one attack and a heal. Actually, well, to rephrase, uh, by the time you get to sixth level, you also have extra attacks, so two attacks, then a third attack and a heal. So at sixth level, three attacks and a heal. Do you see where I'm going with this? And you can do that six times, and it continues! Eleventh level, Flurry of Healing and Harm. You can now mete out a Flurry of Comfort and Hurt. I love the way that's phrased. (laughs) When you use Flurry of Blows, you can now replace each of the unarmed strikes with a use of your Hand of Healing without spending key points for the healing. In addition, when you make an unarmed strike with Flurry of Blows, you can use Hand of Harm with that strike without spending the key point for Hand of Harm. You can still use Hand of Harm only once per turn. So this gives you more flexibility in what you're actually able to do. So now you can choose, instead of both or either of your Flurry of Blows attacks, you can choose to heal once, you can choose to heal twice. If you choose to attack, then you can add the damage for the Hand of Harm feature, again, without additional key so you are still really like minimal key expenditure for this class so you can just use that again and again every turn and then of course they've got their their um, 17th level feature hand of ultimate mercy your mastery of life energy opens the door to the ultimate mercy as an action you can touch the corpse of a creature that died in the past 24 hours, and expend 5 key points. The creature then returns to life, regaining a number of hit points equal to forty ten plus your wisdom modifier. If the creature died while subject to any of the following conditions, it revives with them removed. Blinded, deafened, paralyzed, poisoned, stunned. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. So, they gain resurrection. However, They don't gain the resurrection spell or any derivative thereof. This is a unique version. It takes five key points, which again, at 17th level, is 5 of 17. So that still leaves 12 left for the combat encounter. But also, it is an action to do this. So you can use this mid-combat. If you have an ally drop dead, you can just nope that with this class. So this is a new subclass for monks, but it is obscenely powerful and I do very much look forward to seeing more Way of Mercy monks in play because damn do they have a lot of good features. So after that one, I want to talk about celestial warlocks of course, but that is skipping ahead a bit. Um So druids are able to heal, and they're actually pretty decent healers, and there are even a few subclasses that make it even better, but people know that druid can heal, so I don't want to spend quite as much time on them. I want to spend more time just focusing on the lesser-known healing abilities. And similar note for paladin. People know that paladins can heal. People know that lay on hands is a good class feature. We've already done an entire episode on paladin. So I'm just going to move on from that one. I do want to spend a little bit of time on ranger because a lot of people just forget that rangers are spellcasters at all, let alone healers, Uh, just for curiosity's sake. Uh, Nathan, do you have any idea what spells a ranger is able to cast? No, I I didn't even know
1: rangers existed. It's so (laughs) weird.
2: All right. well, first things first, they do have Cure Wounds, like the classic healing spell, but they also have our good friend Goodberry once again. I love how often that's coming up. So they can cast Goodberry, they can cast Cure Wounds, they have Healing Spirit. Healing Spirit is another just kind of ridiculous spell, but, well, I should probably take a moment to talk about it. So, do you know how much or how often I should say a spell gets nerfed in 5th edition?
1: Nope, no idea any behind-the-scenes stuff.
2: (sighs) Fine. So, yeah. Healing Spirit had a way to basically infinite, well, not infinite, but to heal an absolutely ridiculous amount because it used to just Conjure a thing, and anyone who ran through the thing got healed. So you could just run in circles and get a fuck ton of healing, and there was no rules against that. So they actually nerfed the spell and that the new version, uh, the spirit can heal a number of times equal to 1, one plus your spellcasting ability modifier, minimum twice. After healing that number of times, the spirit dissipates. So it's still a very good second-level healing spell, but it is not the broken thing that it used to be. And honestly, a lot of people don't even know that the spell was nerfed. So that did need need mention. But anyway, and of course, you know, there are more spells that the ranger has, but to be blunt, I don't care. So moving on to the sorcerer, because this is another one that a lot of people just flat out just forget or don't know about. So the divine soul sorcerer has a very particular single sentence that truly makes it obscenely powerful, which, again, is why it's a bit sad that so many, so few people even know about it, which is the following. When your spellcasting feature lets you learn or replace a sorcerer cantrip or a sorcerer spell of first level or higher, you can choose the new spell from the cleric spell list or the sorcerer spell list. Do you understand the implication of that sentence? No, not at all. (sighs) So I mentioned just a little earlier that part of what makes clerics such good healers is the fact that they have all of the best healing spells. And what a divine magic sorcerer does is they get to pick all of their spells from the entirety of the sorcerer spell list and the cleric spell list. So all of the good sorcerer damage spells all of the cleric healing spells and the cleric utility spells These, the divine soul sorcerer has access to all of them so all of those good spells for damage and healing are available to the divine soul sorcerer also because of the fact that it is a sorcerer they have the whole sorcery points And one of the, again, underappreciated aspects of sorcerers is the metamagic that their sorcery points gives them access to. So metamagic is a feature that they get that lets them spend points to tweak how their magic works in some way. So one of the favorites, just of me personally, and honestly, probably most people, is Quickened Spell, which lets you spend two sorcery points, to change a spell from a one action casting time to a bonus action casting time so that would allow you to cast something like a healing spell like let's say cure wounds instead of an action as a bonus action and as a reminder in fifth edition if you you can only cast one leveled spell in a single turn So even though you would cast this spell as your bonus action, you cannot cast a leveled spell with your action. You can, however, cast a cantrip. So this allows a Divine Soul Sorcerer to heal as their bonus action and then cast a damaging cantrip with their action. So they can heal and still do some amount of damage on the same turn, which is a very powerful combo. And just while I'm on the subject of metamagic, there's also something called Twinned Spell, which, when you cast a spell that normally only targets one creature, lets you spend sorcery points to make it target a second creature as well. So that, too, can be massively useful for a healer, because then, again, you get that feature at third level. So a third level Divine Soul Sorcerer could cast Cure Wounds on two individuals at the same time so again a really underappreciated healer and that's just with the normal sorcerer class features that has nothing to do with the other benefits available so they also have at sixth level empowered healing so when you are an ally within five feet of you rolls dice to determine the number of hit points the spell restores you can spend one sorcery point to re-roll any number of those dice once provided you aren't incapacitated and you can only use that feature once per turn so let's say that you did use a healing spell with a lot of dice but you had a whole bunch of them come up ones and twos this class feature lets you spend a sorcery point to re-roll those dice to potentially have a larger heal which can also just be such a useful thing and at 18th level, they have another useful one: unearthly recovery, as a bonus action. When you have less than half your hit points remaining, you can regain a number of hit points equal to half your hit point maximum. Once you use the feature, not again until long rest. So yeah, so let's say you have a you know high level sorcerer with let's just say 80 hit points because they're still squishy sorcerer. So that means then if they get down to something like 30 hit points, as a bonus action, and again, class feature, not a spell that can be get counterspelled, so they can use this bonus action to heal 40 hit points back and go from 30 all the way up to 70. So that is a massive benefit for a bonus action, although of course it is a very very high level feature, so your mileage may vary with the usefulness. But in the right game and circumstance, that is a massively powerful ability. So, let's wrap this up with, of course, my good friend, the Celestial Warlock. Um, before I do go off as I am wont to do, Nathan, can you tell me anything about the Celestial Warlock, given how often I've talked about it?
1: It's like a warlock, but like, it's Celestial. Ah.
2: Lovely, Nathan. As always, your knowledge just boggles my mind with your brilliance and eloquence. <sighs> so, thank you. The celestial warlock. The whole theme of it is that you're making some kind of pact with a celestial instead of a you know devil or demon or archfey. And- Other, you know, dark bargain. like the whole idea of this is that like there are good creatures that are available to make packs or I shouldn't say good. I just should say celestial, which, you know, light, all that kind of stuff. It is, of course, up to the DM whether they're actually good or not. But theoretically, it can be. But do you remember, Nathan, what is different about a warlock's spellcasting?
1: No, I can't. Not at all.
2: Damn it. Okay, so unlike most classes that have spell slots that they regain every long rest, a warlock has less spell slots, although they do grow in size over time. But they get them back every short and long rest, so they are a very bursty class. They're able to do a large amount of damage, or in this case, healing. A rather finite number of times so at low levels that can be a little bit scary So, like first level warlock only has a single spell slot although it does immediately change its second level to two and even a max level 20th level warlock still only has four spell slots so in a single fight you know that's four actual castings available which is not a whole lot but again it is refreshed every short rest so they do gain access to a bunch of healing spells but not the full cleric list like the divine soul sorcerer they only get a few of the spells available they get cure wounds they get lesser restoration revivify but not nearly the entire list of healing so the reason though that i still put that here on this list of good healers is because of a feature they have, Healing Light. And this is something that they get at first level. You have a pool of D6s that you spend to fuel this healing. Number of dice in the pool is one plus your Warlock level. So even at first level, you have two D6s in this healing pool, but if you get up to something like 10th level, then all of a sudden you've got 11 D6 in this pool. And as a bonus action, you can heal one creature you can see within 60 feet of you, spending dice from the pool. The maximum number of dice is equal to your charisma modifier. I roll the dice, Adam, heal. And the pool regains expended dice when you finish a long rest. So again, what makes this so valuable? If let's say, so I actually went a little high with 10. Let's just say even a little bit lower, a sixth level celestial warlock. So they would have 76 each game day in their healing pool. And as a bonus action, they are able to heal within 60 feet, which is honestly rather considerable range. But bonus action, and as I keep mentioning through this as a valuable thing for healers, because it's a class feature and not a spell, that is an advantage because it cannot be counterspelled. It is a bonus action. And also one thing to mention, because it is a class feature, and not a spell, they can use their healing light as their bonus action, and then still cast a damaging spell as their action. So even though they're using some of their turn to heal, they would still have their action available for, you know, in an emergency, they could, of course, cast cure wounds if more healing is really needed, but they could also cast any of the many, many damage spells that a warlock has available to them and what's also kind of fun about that uh their sixth level feature radiant soul it is not healing but it's just fun so i'm going to read it anyway which is the fact that they gain resistance to radiant damage and when they cast a spell dealing radiant or fire damage you can add your charisma modifier to a radiant or fire damage roll of that spell against one target so if you do have this so, the, cleric, or sorry, the Celestial Warlock also does gain the Cantrips, Light, and Sacred Flame. So, Sacred Flame, of course, is Radiant Damage. So, with those features combined, Sacred Flame suddenly gets your ability score modifier added to it to do that additional Radiant Damage. So, it actually can create circumstances if you're fighting someone where Radiant Damage is good to use where it can actually be worth it damage-wise to not use Eldritch Blast as every single attack. Although, of course, you still can, because Eldritch Blast is amazing. But they also have another just good utility feature for the entire party. It's 10th level Celestial Radiance. Gain temporary hit points whenever you finish a short or long rest. These temporary hit points are your world level plus your Charisma Modifier. In addition, choose up to five creatures you can see at the end of the rest. Those creatures gain temporary hit points equal to half your Warlock level, plus your Charisma mod. So that feature is another of the underappreciated ones, and one that I personally make use of. Because as a reminder, my character Harlan is a Celestial Warlock, because this is one of my favorite subclasses. So what that really does then... So again, 10th level, your Warlock level plus Charisma... So if you have, you know, normal charisma of 16, that would mean you'd have 13 temporary hit points after every short and long rest. And five people that you choose, and actually, I shouldn't even say that, five creatures you can see. So you could use this if you've got, let's say, a druid in your party who likes taking their animal form, you could still use it on them. If you have a ranger with an animal companion, You can still use this on the animals. You can then have, you know, the party's pet direwolf can have these extra temporary hit points. So that would be another eight temporary hit points for the five creatures. Every short and long rest able to be refreshed. Also, at 14th level, Searing Vengeance. Radiant energy you channel allows you to resist death. When you have to make a death-saving throw at the start of your turn, you can instead spring back to your feet with a burst of radiant energy. You regain hit points equal to half your hit point maximum, and you stand up if you so choose. Each creature of your choice that is within 30 feet of you takes 2d8 plus charisma radiant damage, and it's blinded till the end of the current turn. So, this is amazing because it's just when you would make a death saving throw. So you don't have to roll it, you just get back up, and because it is happening at the start of your turn, you can still take your turn. So that's amazing. And because it is a 14th level feature, yeah, it's higher level, but that's still relatively accessible. So, all that being said, there are other ways to heal. Healing potions exist, there are items like they're the staff of healing that also does have healing magic able to exist and there's also some things like using you know uh what was it the healer feet. there's honestly a lot of ways and of course goodberry shenanigans as we have talked about at length in tuesday's episode so all of those things exist but to be honest We are focusing here, though, on proper healers, so that is not super relevant for today's episode. So to sum up, the Life Domain Cleric is the best healer that currently exists in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Other clerics, also amazing. Way of Mercy Monk, a new contender that's also very, very good. The Divine Soul Sorcerer, Celestial Warlock, and just a lot of other classes that people completely forget have access to healing magic. All that being said, healers are an important aspect of a party's makeup in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. You can get by without them, but it certainly makes party life a lot easier if you've got a good healer among you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Riftwake Podcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwick. On Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash podcast, And you can send us an email, RiffWakePodcast at gmail.com.
1: And that's it for today.